look good. You look really good. You feel good? Okay, well, that's okay, too. <laughs> you know, I, uh, when, I, when Lisa and I were first dating, we've been married for 38, got another 60 to go. And uh, when we were, we were I spoke, speaking my faith there, uh, the, uh, when we were first dating, I loved to just walk and hold her hand. I just, just walk and hold her hand. I wasn't ever in a hurry to walk past her or anything like that, just walk, hold her hand. I, I still do. But you know how it is after a few years, you know, pretty soon the walking changes. And now she's pulling on my arm saying, slow down, you're walking too fast. You know, because we have a little bit longer legs, guys, sometimes, you know, sometimes not, sometimes the other way around, but uh, I, we did. And so pretty soon, then I, I notice I'm walking ahead. And, and then I look back, oh, like that. And then, and then pretty soon, we, we, guys, it's really easy to fall into this sort of passive-aggressive thing. You know, where you walk up and then you're going to wait for her because, you're, you know, we want to walk with her. You wait for her, but you do this, letting her know, I'm waiting for you because I'm going to walk with you, but you should be walking faster. It's wrong. It's what we do. Because the key is not, that, not, not about your pace. It's about the pace you're walking with. It's not about your pace and what you, how fast you think you need to go or how slow you need to go. It's about how you're pacing with the one you're walking with. And I, I, I introduced a thought last week about how we are yoked with Christ. And he says, put my yoke on you. It's easy. The burden is light. And we talked about in Philippians chapter 4 what that yoke means. What does it mean to be connected? What does it mean to be paced with Christ? Not to move up too far or too fast. Jesus said, come to me. He said, put on my yoke. Walk my pace. But you know, that's not always easy to do. It, the uh, apostle or the uh, John the Baptist was a forerunner for Jesus. I don't think we really appreciate what he did, how profound of a ministry he had. He had, uh, in Luke, uh, early on in Luke, uh, the Gospel of Luke, it talks about how people would come to him, how even Roman soldiers would come and say, what do we got to do? How, how do we do this? And he would talk about repentance. And he had this huge, powerful ministry. In fact, it was so strong at that time that the king, which was under Roman rule, uh, King Herod, arrested him and threw him in jail and eventually cut his head off because he resented his power. He had influence over the people. Now, here's what's interesting. Somewhere in that, before all that, John said, that it's, this is about Jesus. Everything I'm saying is just about him. It's about Jesus Christ. It's always about Jesus. Come on. If you're ever confused, you don't know what to do, you know what you're thinking... Go back to Christ. It's always about Christ. And so he says, this is about following Christ. And so he actually gave this huge, powerful ministry. He was a prophet. And prophets love to prophesy. You know, they love to say, hey, change this, do this. And so he was, but he turned it all over to Jesus. His disciples, everything, just turned it over to Jesus. And now he's in prison. And now he's thinking, Jesus... I, I set this up for you. Man, I teed it up. You know, I, I set it up. It was, it, was, it was ready to go. It was, we're ready to, to see God's kingdom come. And now he's in prison, threatened to be killed. And Jesus is walking around, running around with Pharisees and tax collectors and sinners and prostitutes. And <laughs> what's going on? So he sends his, his disciples and said, Jesus, talk to me. What? Is, 
he says it, he had his disciples say it in a funny way. He said, are you, are you the one or, or should we look to another? Should I take this ministry and give it to somebody else? That's literally what he was saying. What was the problem? Jesus' pace. Jesus was going and doing it his way and going his speed because he knew it was about him coming and living and dying so that you and I could be free of our sins. It was about that pace. And John's pace was you're going to come in, you're going to take over, the Romans are going to be gone, this is going to, God's kingdom is going to come right here and now. And Jesus said, I'm going to came to die so the kingdom of God can come. It was the wrong pace. And John was freaking out. And John didn't understand that. And we do the same thing. When God is going a different speed in our finances, come on, I got you there. You know, don't talk about money. But in our relationships, in our life, in our like, it's like, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, what? Why? Why is he go? And, and sometimes it's, he goes faster. I'm not ready for that. I don't want to do that. You want me to come up and sing on stage? No, no, no I can't. I can't. <laughs> can't do that that's too much or you want me to serve here or you want me to do that or you, you know I hey that's, that sometimes his pace is a little bit faster than ours in Philippians we focused on the first part about wearing the yoke but in chapter 4 he, he, Jesus God gives us the pace this is the pace the pace that we're supposed to live he talks about it, and I wish I had time to just read the whole thing to you, but I'm going to give you another assignment. Read Philippians 4. Keep dwelling on that. Because it's really about, he set the pace about rejoicing always. It really breaks it down to a few thoughts. Rejoice always. Don't be anxious about anything. And whatever comes, think right. Whatever's in your life, whatever's going wrong, think right. <laughs> what, and, and, in fact, the... Uh, the, the, the verse that really puts it all together, together is Philippians chapter 4, verse 9. It says, whatever you have learned, put it into practice. Do this. This isn't like, okay, if you're feeling good and everything's going well and the pastor doesn't preach too long and the worship is amazing and things like that, then you can put it into practice. No, 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 no. Put it into practice. Live this. So we have a command from God's word. This is how we're supposed to live. We're supposed to. We're supposed to rejoice always. <laughs> rejoice always. Well, that's easy, right? You got that. Re rejoice always. Don't be anxious about anything. Anything? And whatever, whatever, whatever. I love it. God tells us, whatever. <laughs> whatever is the deal. Hey, think right. Think right. Be right. And you think, how, how, how can I do that? How can I live that? How can I behave that way? How, how can I understand what God is trying to do? This morning, I'm going to talk about God, godly living. God living God's always. Living God's anything. Living God's whatever. Now, those are just the parameters. <laughs> you know, the first word counts, but, but that is the parameters. In, in other words... There is no limit. You know, if he says rejoice always, always is a pretty big parameter. <laughs> if, if he says uh, uh, don't be anxious about anything except that problem, you know, that's a big problem. I could be, I, no, no. That's the one this morning, right now, God has his finger on in your life. Whatever just popped in your mind, <gasps> you know, caught your breath. <laughs> You're thinking, oh, man. You gotta like Whatever you just got, all of a sudden got a little tension like that, ah, but that, that's, that, that's big. 
anything, 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 anything. You know, whatever, whatever you're dealing with, whatever comes your way, how do we live that way? How do we behave that way? It's about understanding. It's about understanding the pace. It's about understanding what God's trying to say. And, and really, it's, it's about whatever, whatever is there. Whatever is there, trusting God in all these things. This morning, I want to talk to you about the three spokes. Just a picture. It's a, it's, it's a wheel, okay? It's God's will for God's pace. How do we live God's pace? How do I do that? How do I rejoice always and be anxious about anything? Don't be anxious about anything and, and whatever comes. How do, how do I do that? How do I set God's, God's will, God's, God's pace in my life? There's a cartoon I saw it many, many years ago. I think Farside came out with the, the first one, and then there's other ones. I think it, it's up there. You could put that uh, up there. Uh, it's, 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 I love it. <laughs> okay, okay, so he's got the answer. No thanks, we're a little too busy. Does that not just describe your week last week? I got the answer. I got it for you. I got, I got everything you need to keep this pace, not to worry, to trust me, to believe in me. Come on, to get that wheel going. And we got our little square wheels going on, doing it our way, our thinking, our actions like that. And I'm going to take care of this one, so I don't worry about that, and I'm going to do this. And maybe, we got, maybe you're a planner, and you got it all planned out. Maybe you're a procrastinator, you got nothing planned out. <laughs> Whatever it is, are you trusting God? And that always... That always uh, uh, Strikes me. I, I love that. No thanks. No thanks. We're too busy. They use that in business now. That's like the business model. There's a better way, but you, you can't see it. And there's a better way to live for your life. God has a better way to live for your life. It's real. It's practical. It's every day. You can do this. So let's look at the first spoke. The first spoke is rejoice always. <laughs> rejoice always. <laughs> Now, you get confused on this, and I know I have, because I'm thinking rejoice always means that I got to say the right words. I got to say the good words. <laughs> and sometimes if you don't, you ever ran into a, a, a word police? You know, word police. Like, don't say that. Don't like that. Well, sometimes we need to be corrected because they're saying the words that, that come in from the wrong thinking. But let me tell you, rejoicing always is not about saying the right words. It's about direction. Rejoice always. If we're rejoicing, then our rejoicing is toward God. God, we thank you. God, I believe you. God, I know you're going to work this out. God, I, you're, you're, you're going to work it out. In fact, Philippians just makes the point over and over. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 says, rejoice in the Lord always, always. <laughs> Don't you just hate that word? You're not going to like that word anymore. <laughs> But always, in all things, rejoice, and I, I'll just say it again. I'll just say it again. Rejoice. He just really wants that to be in our spirit. God's word really, really wants you to understand. Live rejoicing. He said, oh, okay, I got, it, 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 it's, it's about what I say. I, I got to say the right thing. I got to say the right thing. No, 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 no. It's not about that. A lot of people go around and say the right things, and there is no joy in their life. Why is that? Because they're saying it the wrong direction. It needs to be toward God. Because when you tune in into that and you tap into that, it changes everything. So I'm walking out of the camera, and they're thinking, where did he go? He left, went out of state. But I'll be back. So if I come over here and I get this chair, and I set it there, and I, uh, I want to compliment my wife, beautiful wife. She's just a lovely. She's amazing. She looks incredibly gorgeous today, as she does every day. Hey, amen. Come on. Come on. 
And she just said, yes, yes, like that. Or if I need to tell her, I'm sorry, I screwed up. But instead of doing that, I go, I just want to let you know, Lisa, you look gorgeous. You look, you're amazing. You're just, you're, just, you're just perfect. And, oh, I'm sorry for messing up. I'm sorry for, like, <laughs> that's silly, right? How silly is that? How, how silly is it to, to talk to a, a chair instead of that? Ah, is that not exactly what we do? Is that not the very thing that we do? We, we, we just try to say the right words to do the right thing, and we miss the whole point. Rejoice all the way. You will never, ever be able to have this first spoke in God's wheel that gets you going God's pace, trusting his speed until you learn, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to believe in you. It's all about you. <laughs> you see, you say, Greg, why does my pace fall short? Why, why, how come I just, how come I, I, I can't do that? Your pace falls short because you're speaking the wrong direction. Instead of just stopping and saying, God, I love you, I worship you, Wow, this is, this, is, this is really tough right now, but I believe in you. I believe what you're doing. I love it. Psalms 19 was my devotion this week. I just got lost in it. It's so amazing. It really is amazing. It, it, talked, it opens up, it talks about how the creation has no words and it speaks. God's, God's heavens uh, have no voice and yet they sing. And it just talks about how wonder that, and then moves right into the beauty of God's word. And it reminded me of an old song, I won't sing again. I did that for you last week, and I'm, they tell me I'm only allowed to sing every three months. But uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a song, it reminds me of, it's, it's uh, more precious than gold. His word is more precious than gold. Sweeter than honey. And the honeycomb. Yeah, I did it, I cheated. <laughs> it's, so, it's so wonderful. It, and then it says, Psalms 19, verse 11. By them, by these things, your servant, now watch this, is warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. Now, what you have to immediately look at is that word warned, warned is, is, comes from instruction, but it literally means light to shine. We can shine. We can rejoice. We can be filled with with joy, no matter what's going on, when we get the right direction. And if you find in your pace is not going well, and your God's going too fast, or you're going too fast, and you're standing there with tapping your finger, your toe, saying, "God, come on, catch up to me. I, you got to make this work out. You got to do this," and and you're all messed up, it's because maybe you're looking at the wrong direction. What's your direction this morning? Come on, what are you looking at? Where 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 are you looking at? You see, we can shine if we look at the right direction. Let me talk to you about the second spoke. The second spoke is not anxious about anything. Rejoice always. Got that? Okay. That's easy. You got that down. You're, you're all good with that. I thought you would be. You guys are amazing. The second one that is about not be anxious about anything. Not to be anxious about anything. And you say, well, Greg, what is, what is really that about? What, what is it that... that that is, it's, see, anxious is about feeling. It's about your feelings. What are you feeling? And you see, the problem is, it's not what you feel. You can't live what you feel. You have to feel what you should be living. Come on. You think, well, that's very esoterical. What, is, what in the world does that mean? It's very simple. Live 
what he wants you to live, and you will feel the right thing. But if you're going only by what you feel, and you might think, wait a minute, Greg, wait a minute. I can't change how I feel. <laughs> that is the theme for our 21st century America. I can't change how I feel. I can't change what, what I do. I can't change this. I can't change if, you know, if I act this way. I, I, this is the way I feel. Right? What can I say? It's the way I feel. And we are controlled by that. And we might say, hey, I can't change how I feel. That's just what it is. That is the problem. You can't. That's the point. That's what I'm telling you. You cannot change what you feel. You have to exchange what you feel. And you say, how do, how do I do that? How do I, how do I exchange what I'm feeling, because it's me, for something else? Ecclesiastics, if chapter 2, you think, what Ecclesiastics? What? <laughs> it's in the Bible. Trust me. It's there. It's a book. I, I used to say, go to Psalms, go to Proverbs, and go one more over, but no one brings hardly a Bible anymore. I'm old school, I like that, but I also always use computer and study with computer. So now you just type in ECC, it'll take you right there. <laughs> ECC, chapter 2, verse 26, and it says, to one who pleases him, ah, to one who's going the right pace, to one who's trusting in him, the one who's walking with him, the one that's yoked with Christ, doing that same thing, going the right, God gives wisdom. Now, we believe that. God will give me wisdom. God will, I mean, if I'm in a tough spot, if I don't know what to do, if I don't know what to say, he'll help me discern what's going on. Not only wisdom, but God gives knowledge. Knowledge is things you don't know, and all of a sudden, whoop, it's there. Like that. God gives wisdom, God gives knowledge. We believe that. We trust that. But watch this. He also gives happiness. Uh, wait a minute. What, what, what does that mean, he gives happiness? See, we get lost, and like, which, which, there's some, a point to it about, oh, uh, it's not about happiness, it's about joy. You ever heard that? You have people say, oh, it's about joy. Joy's deeper, joy's real, joy's there even in troubles. Happiness is just fly by night. Okay, I get that, I understand that, but you cannot divorce happiness from joy. <laughs> you can't, I am so joyful, but I am unhappy. Wait, <laughs> you can't be that way. You, you, it, they're, they're really connected. You know, there's a nuance you can make about our joy is deeper than just what's going on. But there is happiness, and the Word of God says, and it literally means, you know, this word, Hebrew words, is real fancy. You know what it means? Feelings. God gives you feelings. God gives you feelings. The right feelings. Godly feelings. That's crazy. That's crazier than you guys are doing it. Come on. You're just thinking, wow, wait a minute. God gives feelings? God has feelings for me? It means, it means to have feelings. It means, literally, it means feelings that supersede, supersede our feelings. God gives greater feelings. God gives better feelings. God can actually change, exchange the way that you feel. And I know some of you are having a hard time with this, and you're stuck. I could just feel it. I just think, I don't know. That's the way I feel. But I'm telling you, we will never get there. We will never move from rejoicing always uh, to not be anxious about anything until you understand that what you're feeling is, I'm not saying it's not real. I'm just saying it's not wrong. It's wrong. It's not what God wants. You exchange the right feelings in what God can do in your life. Let me just go back to Philippians chapter 4, verse 7. It says, okay, the peace of God... <laughs> Okay, so if you're not anxious about anything, you're living in peace. That's the pace. How many want God's peace? That's the, man, I want to live God's peace. 
not to be anxious about things that come. And it's so easy to all of a sudden go, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. And you start freaking out and you start worrying and things like that. But to live in God's peace, the peace of God, so now I'm talking about the peace of God, that comes from the exchange of God's feelings, to live in God's feeling, not to be anxious about anything, which transcends, <laughs> supersedes, overwhelms, exchanges all understanding, guards our heart. It will actually guard your heart because it's, it's feelings that God, I believe, can give us in any situation, no matter what we're dealing with. We can't, you can't create feelings you don't have. You just can't. But you can exchange it. That's the power of God. That's the word of God. That goes so far beyond. And I've seen this in all kinds of settings. I'm counseling a couple, and it's like I'm thinking, man, just head for the can't say this, but I'm thinking, you guys need to divorce. Because you know, they're just not, like, it's not there. There's no love. There's no like that. But I just say, no. But I know something they don't know. I know God can change and exchange feelings. I know, and no matter what it is, because the, the feelings they have come from hurt and maybe even abuse and maybe even betrayal. How do you get over those? You, you can't. You have to exchange them for what God wants to put in your life. And when you start to do that, all of a sudden it changes everything. It trans, the word transcends literally means to go beyond, to triumph over restrictions. What's holding you back? How come I can't really achieve what God wants me to do? How come I can't really get in there? What, what is it that's going to help me overcome that? Those restrictions that you're living by are the feelings that are holding you back and holding you down. You see Say, Greg, what do I do? Okay. You need to just say, be in a process of exchanging those. So, God, I give you this feeling because it's hard. It's difficult. I, I, this, I, I'm really feeling this way. Again, I'm not saying deny it or not, not uh, say it doesn't exist. I'm saying, I really feel this. <laughs> but it, what you're doing is you're giving it to God. And God has a way of taking that and putting his creation hands on it and putting his spirit in it and giving it back. And you're thinking, all of a sudden, I don't feel, I remember it, but I don't feel the shame. I don't feel the pain. God is good. Only God can do that. Only God can do that. But you see, we live with, what I, many years ago, I was helping my parents move, my brother and I, and we rented a big, big truck. And in those days, that time, this company, I don't know, we found out as we're moving along, it has a flipping governor in it. <laughs> you know what that thing is? They used to, I don't even know I had those anymore. They put them on the carburetor and says, this speed, no more. This speed, that's it. That's all you can go. So we got the thing floorboarded and going up a hill and it's going slower and slower and slower because you, it, it, it holds it. It restricts it. Your feelings that you think you can't get rid of, that you think are so important, that you think you deserve because you were hurt, because you were, you were inflicted, those are our governors on their life, and you're setting a pace that's causing you to lag behind. And God is saying, come on, you've got to let go of that. You've got to do something different. You've got to put it, you see, we need to live transcended. We need to live and supersede these restrictions. What anxiety is restricting your life? This morning, what real feelings do you have? Sometimes 
it's those feelings even against God. God, you, sh- you should have done something different. She wouldn't have died. We wouldn't have ended up here. That wouldn't have happened. I wouldn't have lost my job. And the feelings are toward that, and they are holding you back. You will never move and keep up God's pace in your life until you say, God, I'm going to exchange that because this one is stupid, yucky, terrible feeling that I really feel, and I'm going to give it to you, and you're going to give it back, God. And you're going to give, it's going to be something that is fresh and new and life and whole. That's the only way. I love Proverbs. I can't go into it, but Proverbs talks about if you want, if you want new grass to grow, you've got to get rid of the old hay. You can't, you can't expect new grass to grow. God, make the grass grow if it's covered with old, dead hay. Now, what's crazy about that is sometimes that hay is the things that was green earlier, but it's done. It's over. It's gone. It's dead now. You have to move that over and say, God, let that newness come. That's what, in everything the Holy Spirit uh, talks about in, in, the, in the New Testament, he's, it relates to new wine to a fresh spirit. That's what God wants to do by his Holy Spirit this morning. And only God can do it. I wish I could. I would touch every one of you right now and exchange the hurt, the pain, the fear, the doubt, the worry, all those. I would just touch it. It would all go away and become something new. I can't, but God can. And how I know for sure he can is because he did it in me. And if he did it in me, he'll do it in you because that's who God is. We have to rejoice always. Everybody say always. 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 That means, how do I do that? Uh, Do it here. Point up. Focus on that. Focus focus on what God is trying to do. Don't be anxious about anything. Say anything. 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 Don't be anxious about anything. And I just love the fact, because I believe this was God speaking to me, that when you say anything, something pops in your mind and says, well, maybe that. That's the one, that's it, that's the one that God says, no, not that one. Don't be anxious about anything. And think right, whatever comes. (laughs) I love the Holy Spirit speaking and saying, whatever, church, whatever, whatever it is, think right. Whatever comes your way, think right. Whatever pain, whatever hurt, whatever disappointment, whatever hurt someone else does to you, think right, think right. Change the way you're thinking. Change, exchange that thinking. Think right, whatever, what it, you know, and think right. And say, what, how do I think right? Think right is really about where your mind is dwelling, where you're, where you're camped out. Where, where are you? Where are, where are you there? That, that's what matters. Wherever you're camped out, that's what is going to be affecting you. Philippians 4, 8. And I, I just want to do this verse just because... Whatever. Uh, Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, think about such things. I didn't make up those words. Put it in there over and over and over. I think the Holy Spirit was trying to say something. Whatever. (laughs) Come on, people. Whatever. Whatever it is. Whatever it is, you've got to think right in the midst of, of all of that pain. You say, Greg, how do I control my thoughts? You know, because this is what you need to understand. Thoughts come from God, but they also come from you, your own desire, your own selfishness. Those thoughts come in. 
And the enemy, we have a real enemy. I believe in a real enemy. I just believe he's small and puny and God's big and strong. But he's out there. And the real enemy, the real enemy will put thoughts in your head. I also need to be thinking, whoo, <laughs> where did that come from? I'm glad nobody reads my mind. <laughs> well, that thought, whoa, what, what is that? They're, they're real. What do we do with these thoughts? Those are thoughts. How do, how do, we, how do we think right if those thoughts are there? 2 Corinthians 10.5. I love this. It says, demolish arguments, words, thoughts. Every pretense, again, thoughts. Every logical argument, everything that sets up itself against the knowledge of God, that is opposite of what God wants, God's pace. God has a pace for you, right? And all of a sudden, you start thinking about a different pace, I, I, in even a different direction. <laughs> I want to go that way because it's hot. I want to go that way because I can make a lot of money. I want to go that way because I can do what I want to do. Come on. You set that wrong pace. He says, he said, every argument, every pretension that sets up itself against the knowledge of God, then what do we do? Take captive every thought. Take captive that thought to make it obedient to Christ. Here is what you, you just got to get from that verse. You only take captive wrong thoughts. Why would it say to take captive thoughts if we didn't have them? Now, stay with me. The enemy came, and I think he said some things. I don't know if he was physically there in the wilderness tempting Jesus, or he just gave him the thoughts, but there were thoughts that were wrong in Jesus' head. He's sinless. He never sinned. Got to get that. <laughs> He did not yield to that, but they were there. What did he do? He took them captive. Say, that's a wrong thought. <laughs> it is in my head, and I know it's in my head, but I just know that's wrong. Warning bells going off, that's a wrong thought. Why? Because I'm going to take God's word, and I'm going to take it captive. And I'm going to hold it and put it in that cell and say, that's the cell. That's you going down there. You have to take captive those wrong thoughts. Some people say, oh, Greg, I thinking of these things. Okay, well, what are you going to do with those? Well, I shouldn't think of them. No, you're human, and the enemy is real and evil, and he's trying to do things that take those captive and don't dwell in them. So if you take it captive and you put it down in the deep, dark cell, don't go down in the cell and live in the cell. You were designed to live in the mansion. Is that too many metaphors? <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Don't go down there and live in... That's what some people do. They say, ah, I took it captive. And you're living in that cell. You're living down there, you, you're dwelling on it, you're consumed by it, you're just, it's like, no, don't do that. Whatever is right, whatever is pure, think on these things. God, God wants us to have the right pace. Sometimes we just hang on. Sometimes we hang on to that, that fear, that doubt. We hang on to the, the worry, the anxiety. We hang on to that thought that dwells and dwells. And, we, and it's just there. How do, we, how do we get rid of that? How do we actually not think that, not do that, not feel that, not go there? Always point up instead of pointing. How do we do that? To speak right, to feel right, to think right. Let me give you a picture. In the Old Testament. It's about a goat. No, not the quarterback that left. Not that goat. Talk about a real goat. So I want you to picture a real goat. Ah, that's a sheep. What does a goat sound like? Who knows what a goat sounds like? Nobody, because we live in Tampa. Anyway, there's a goat. It's like a, a goat. And what happened in the Old Testament 
is they would make sacrifices before Christ came because Christ was our ultimate sacrifice. But they'd have sacrifices and they have two goats. And the priest would take one goat and it would be sacrifice for the people's sins. And would take the other goat, though, and we call that the scapegoat. You realize the scapegoat came from the Old Testament? And he would, this would be the scapegoat. And the scapegoat would be brought before all the people. And the priest would take his hands and lay it on the goat and say, all the sins of all the failures and all the weakness and everything that is in all these people are going to be put now because I'm touching this goat on this goat. Everything was laid on the goat. It was the scapegoat. And he would stand up and say, here is the goat. <laughs> he didn't even have a number, number 12, whatever. Here's the goat. And they would take the goat and they would go out to Willard and they didn't kill it. They would put it out into the wilderness and it would just be gone. Just out there, the wilderness. You go out and nothing ever comes back. <laughs> it would just set it free, let it go. It would be gone. It would be totally out of the mind. And the people would know, not just that there was a sacrifice, but it was carried away. And the beautiful picture of this is of Christ. Because John 19, 5, when Jesus was on trial right before his death, they brought him out. It says, when Jesus came out wearing a crown of thorns, blood pouring down his head, and was wearing a purple robe covering this, his back would be, that was so mutilated you couldn't even look at it. He was wearing that. Pilate, Pilate said to all the people, here is the man. <laughs> here is the goat. Here is the one. He will, here it is. The people said, no, no. And this, you know what? This one verse is where the Orthodox Jews protest the most and say, it's not real. It didn't happen. Because this is the one that gets them, even though they didn't understand it. Because the people said, no, the blood be on me. The blood be on us. The blood be on our children. And of course, it was abused where they would blame the Jews. But you understand what's being said. We're there. We're standing there. And we're saying, no, the blood is not on Jesus. The, the, the sins are not on Him. They're on us. And that's what the people said. That Jesus bore all of our sins, all of our failures, all of our weakness. He was the spiritual scapegoat, the perfect scapegoat. They went to the cross and carried all of our fear, all of our doubt. It was all put on Him. Say, Greg, how do I get rid of that old thought, that old sin, that old fear, that old doubt, that old worry? How do I get rid of all this? You've got to choose him. You've got to look at Jesus. When, he, they, when Jesus comes, you say, here's, and they say, here's the man. There's Jesus. I'm going to look to Jesus. I'm going to believe in him. I'm going to trust in him. And you say, Greg, just by trusting in him, I can get rid of that old thought? Yes. <laughs> That's the power of God. This isn't just an uh, academic exercise we go in. These aren't just words. The word of God is alive. It's moving. It penetrates to our very soul. It's able to cut into the very depths of us. And we're able to say, God, I surrender this to you. Take away the sins. Where are your eyes fixed? Are you, saying, are you fixed on Jesus this morning? Are you fixed on his salvation and his hope and his life? Or are you focused on your own pace, your own worries, your own fear? It's time to live God's always. Come on. Come on. Let's, let's live God's always. Let's, let's live God's 
the anything. Let's live God's whatever. I'm going to be trusting in God. Do you receive the word this morning? Come on, give God thanks. Come on. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I pray that your spirit is alive and moving and touching every single heart, no matter who they are, no matter where they are. Maybe it's their first time uh, or if they've known you forever, God, in the name of Jesus, God, I pray that you would just permeate our hearts and our spirit. God, teach us to live your pace. Lord, we rejoice in you. We're not anxious about anything because we trust you. And God, no matter what comes my way, Monday morning, no matter what struggle I face, Wednesday afternoon, whatever dread is at my door on Friday night, I'm going to believe and trust in your way. God, I pray for that. And Lord, more than anything else, I pray right now, if there's a single person in the sound of my voice, watching online, watching uh, much later, or in this room right now, God, there's sin in their life, there's things in their life that they've hung on, hung on to and cling to. Pray right now in the name of Jesus. They would surrender that to you. That they would say, God, I'm going to trust you. I want to exchange my broken, tired out, weary spirit for yours. Put your spirit in their life. Father, we confess our sins. Forgive us of all these things. Make creating us a new heart, a right spirit. God, help us to live and trust always in you. And I pray that with every single person praying that with me right now. In the name of Jesus.